you said, well, now it's the first Sunday of Advent. So, you know, the first Sunday of Advent, that's hope, cover hope, or, you know, do whatever you want to do for the first Sunday of Advent. So he did give me that amount of freedom, so that was all I needed. Um, so I started thinking about Advent. Uh, and I don't know, we've got a lot of different backgrounds in our church here. My background, as I grew up, was uh, in, a, uh, in a free church, which is a uh, church of uh, sort of Scandinavians that didn't want to be part of the state Lutheran church. And so part of the response was that you, you know, you don't get into anything that borders on the liturgical. Um, Lutherans are the same as Catholics are the same as Orthodox. I mean, they all, it's all over there, you know, and we're over here in the, in the good post-Reformation Protestantism. Um, we could celebrate, you celebrate Christmas, but you don't pay attention to things like Advent. All right. So, I think, and well, you know, Advent, we do do it though, right? I mean, we're all kind of comfortable with Advent candles. You know, you know, we've been doing that for a while. I can, that's my thought, you know, Advent. Advent's an Advent wreath. You know, it's four Sundays and Christmas. And, uh, and then it's, and then some prescribed topics for the sermons that you then squinch the sermons so they fit into those topics. So that's sort of my view of Advent. So that, man, if I'm going to be doing one of these Advent things, I better look into it and make sure that I'm doing something close to, you know, what's expected. Um, so, you know, I started trying to learn more and what I ended up with was we got to turn, we're going to kind of turn this one around a bit. So Advent, you know, first of all, so here's my title. First of all, I want everybody, our goal, my goal here this morning, we have, I've like, uh, good news, bad news, I guess. Um, the bad news is I got this like 20 minute introduction. Okay, so that's it's a little more than you. I mean, think about, you know, a guy when he usually gives a sermon, he's got that little one, maybe two minute, you know, funny story thing. And then he goes into his 20 plus minute sermon. Well, I've got like the 20 plus minute introduction. And then I've got this little homily that's one bullet point about 90 seconds. And <laughs> however, with that 90 seconds, we're launching a 28 day worship time. And the goal this morning is to is to get us all to a point where we want to do that. That's what the introduction is. So that's why I say let's celebrate Advent every day from now till Christmas. And no, Advent is not the four Sundays during shopping season. Okay, so you know sometimes you got to do negative theology, and all you can do is tell you what you learn what is by looking at what isn't, and that's the example of what it's not. So. That's that's what we're up to. I'll give you the oh no the other thing that's of high tech. We have two high tech elements this morning. One is for me to be able to control the slides. Ah, excellent. Yeah, that's worth a miracle in and of itself. You think? <coughs> this is like you know it's a couple notches below the incarnation, but it's still pretty miraculous. So here's where we're going to go this morning. We're going to we're going to look at, you know, what Advent is. We're going to look at a brief history of Advent down through the ages. I'm going to give you 10 reasons that I've called that I've pulled together on why celebrate it. Some of them are better than others. I tried to put them in order and decided I don't like the order. So you pick the ones you like, but hopefully there'll be at least three that you'll find compelling. We'll look at uh, three different ways to celebrate. And then we're going to spread those ways to celebrate out between now and Christmas. Because today is the first day of Advent. Then we're going to have a scripture medley, an Advent prayer, and an Advent hymn. And that's really where we kick off Advent. Okay? So, 
Um, so that's where we're headed. Let's let's take let's get started so um, we can. Uh, all right. So what is Advent? In general, it, this is a season that's characterized by hope and anticipation. All right. That makes sense. You know, it's a season basically any time when you've got a, a long period of time before a holiday and that period of time prior to the holiday is also sort of rolled into the holiday. That's that's an anticipation. We see it in Lent. You know, we kind of marked we marked Lent last year here at church. I don't know about you. I I've found I think last two years, actually, we've done an Ash Wednesday and some Lent. I find that going through that period of time prior to uh, the Holy Week and, and Easter, you know, really makes Easter more meaningful because I am then consciously thinking about Easter for a protracted period of time rather than for, you know, one limited number of hours on a Sunday morning. So I think um, this is, in fact, historically we'll see that Advent is really just, it was treated a lot like Lent, only it was the Lent, it was quote-unquote Lent leading up to the Nativity or the Epiphany. So anyway, also Advent is interesting because it really has two themes or two topics. Um, it's preparation for the celebration of Jesus' incarnation at Christmas, and it's also the anticipation of Jesus' second coming. And it's both of those together. And that's something we, we sometimes we think of it as just pre-Christmas. But it's really pre-Christmas with an eye towards beyond. And then that makes a lot more sense out of hope as a major theme. Because the hope of Jesus' first coming has already been realized. And now there's also the hope of his second coming. So it's a great combination. You know, it's just a great balance. Then in the second column there, you'll see that, you know, so what are the ways we experience or, or, go, or, or look for that hope and anticipation? So we look, we, we practice some of these. You know, we, we, we make an effort for times of quietness, for prayer, for reflection, for an attitude of contrition, humbleness, joyfulness, fasting. Um, there's a unity amongst all Christians throughout time and geography at this period of time. I think it's, you know, all of this together, I think it's just a, makes for a tremendous season. And, of course, this sounds just like our pre-Christmas time of, no, of December, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like your December? <laughs> you know, yeah, all these things, fasting, you know, lack of busyness. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't. Now, I'm not saying I've been prayer, I've been celebrating Advent for the last number of years. I've not really ever celebrated Advent other than the, the four Sundays plus Christmas candles. So this year, the goal is to try to, to celebrate Advent. And I think if we celebrate it the way that um, it's been celebrated both historically in the church and as it's celebrated in parts of the church now, um, it, it can be an antidote to the busyness of our more typical December season. And that's a beautiful thing. And, it's, and it gives God glory. And it, and it gives us an opportunity to draw closer to him. And I think that's the bottom line is if we treat the Advent season um, in the way that it can be treated, it's an opportunity for us to draw closer to God because in the incarnation, he's drawn closer to us. So, so, so when is Advent? You know, we've talked a little bit other than the fact that, uh, you know, it starts today. All right, this gets a little confusing. So we're just, these are just kind of like tidbits, factoids, so you know. But in the Western Church, um, Advent starts with the Sunday closest to uh, St. Andrew's Day, which, of course, you all know is the 30th 
And, um, and then it goes from that Sunday through Christmas. Note that it goes from that Sunday through Christmas. It doesn't say that it's all of the, each of the individual Sundays between that Sunday and Christmas. So Advent really is, it's all 28 days this particular year. And it can go as many as a few more days or a few less. All right. In the Eastern Church, you know, there's always problems when you try and deal with a calendar and talk about Eastern Church versus Western Church. So I'm not going to get into the details because I can't track it very well. If you put everybody on the same calendar and you, and you just strictly a Gregorian calendar, which is the one we follow, essentially, um, there the Eastern um, celebration is actually, the most important thing is it's called the Nativity Lent. Um, which is interesting because, once again, you see the similarity between um, getting ready for um, Easter and getting ready for uh, the birth of Christ. The, the, the prep time in both is Lent. The prep time for both is 40 days. The prep time for both in the East is characterized by fasting, um, something that is just you know, it's hard for us to imagine doing. So anyway, we're not going to go that path. We live in the West. And you can be grateful. And there's a whole bunch of other permutations. Some Orthodox churches go all the way through Epiphany, but they start later. But it's a 40-day thing. So we'll talk about that. Another thing that's just interesting about Advent is we don't do much with the, you know, the church calendar. But church calendar, Advent's the beginning of the church calendar as it cycles through every year. So it's a, it, it, that's a point to make just because it shows that it's, it's an important um, element overall. So... A quick delve into the history of Advent. Yeah, I've got like five slides on the history of Advent. So Advent, number one, it it predates Christmas, which is interesting. And so you say, well, how can something that prepares for Christmas predate Christmas? Well, it's because what people are looking for is what was the church doing in the way of celebrations during the month of December, late November? And so, yeah, there were celebrations during that period of time, protracted ones, you know, anywhere from four weeks to seven weeks. Um, and they had different endpoints, different starting points, but they were in there. So those are seen as sort of the precursors to Advent as we know it. Um, initially, it was the period of time, the 40 days prior to Epiphany. Now, Epiphany, I don't know about you guys, I have to go look up all these things because, like, I recognize the word. But in terms of what does it mean, other than January 6th, I remember one time being in Europe and not being able to get any food for like three days because I didn't realize I had to stock up before Epiphany. Um, the Epiphany is the manifestation of the glory of Christ. All right. So what does that mean? Well, different people celebrate different things as being that, but it's always on that date. So what are the possibilities? Some people celebrate it as his, his baptism. Some people celebrate it as his first miracle. Once again, these things are manifestations of Christ's glory. So his first miracle, the turning of uh, water to wine at Cana. It could be some people celebrate it as his baptism. Some people celebrate the gifts of the Magi because they recognized him and gave him glory as a king. And then later on, it turned into also um, including the nativity overall, not necessarily the day. So that was actually kind of the earliest form of Advent. And then in 250, 300-ish, the 25th of December got set as the day of the nativity. We're not going to go down that path. Don't worry. Just It was. It was declared and it became. Uh, prior to that, it had been in May and April and some of these other ones. But 
for a number of reasons, it just worked better in December 25th. Uh, there were a lot of other celebrations around there. It was good to weave it in with. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to go off on one tangent here. Um, calendars, you know, people, you, if you ever hear this argument that, you know, well, Christmas is just uh, a pagan holiday that the church adopted. You know, I, I, I'm so tired of that. You know, it, it can be a pagan date. I, you know, I don't care. There can have been a pagan holiday on that date. The question is, did the church take it and redeem it for a better for a better reason? And did they? Yes, they did. And what they decide to celebrate a date that's important to the church. So, bam, it's a redeemed holiday. All right. And yeah, I don't care if something else was born on that day. So that's my rant and rave for the morning on on Christmas and a selection of Christmas Day. It was interesting that Rome itself began celebrating. Uh, as soon as they had established this 25th as a day, to them, that was a day to celebrate. So they, they would have a feast and stuff. Uh, but in other regions, they were more in this, in this Lenten mode. So it was fasting and contrition. And after about 200 years, the church in Rome came around to the rest. But one thing that you, you see as you go through church history, especially in those first, oh, 700 years, it's very pronounced that the churches in different regions developed differently with respect to what they celebrated and how they celebrated it. And so this is just another example of that. So is there is there unity across all of the Christian enclaves in, you know, in, in the Roman? Yeah, at that point would have been the Roman world. No, you know, there's differences in how it's celebrated. And it's interesting to watch. And then a couple of things that aren't on here. In the 400s, there are references to um, uh, from a homily to a, to um, tell people that they should fast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the uh, from St. Martin's Day, which is I think around the 12th of November through Christmas, and that's really the first um, document that we have that you know clearly lays down a an advent. And once again, it's characterized by fasting. This was in Spain. Uh, where, where this document originated. So it changes around a little bit. Interestingly enough, when St. Benedict wrote his rules for monasteries in about 550, I think, or so he wrote them, um, there's no mention there at all of Advent. You know, Lent is covered very thoroughly, but no mention of Advent. So Advent's coming on a little bit later in time. But by um, the length of Advent had been decreased to our current time frame by... Uh, 1085 in a decree by Pope Gregory IV. And um, and then the emphasis during the Middle Ages moved a little bit more towards preparing for Christmas than, um, prepare, than thinking about Second Coming as an emphasis, but not, not 100%. You know, it just kind of moves back and forth between, you know, more here or more there, but never completely eliminating the dual nature of the Advent season. Um, and, and this is still reflected in the liturgy in some churches because you'll see in the first half of the season, you'll see more of the apocalyptic type references in the Old Testament to the coming Messiah as a second coming. And then in the second half of Advent, you'll see more references to Christ's um, coming at, in, in the incarnation. In the Protestant Reformation, Advent kind of went away for most, with the exception of uh, Anglicans. Uh, you know, it just went in, the, the Protestants were, went kind of in a non-liturgical 
and they abandoned the church calendar. Um, and part of it is in a reaction to, you know, every day had a saint assigned to it, and there was a lot of uh, reaction to overemphasis and what, what were we doing worshiping the saints sort of things. So we kind of lost it for Protestants at that point in time. But in more recent years, it, um, parts of the church calendar have come back. And, you know, it's probably healthy. You know how when you don't do something, for, when, you, when you're not doing something all the time, um, and then you go back and do it. You're doing it because you want to, usually for the right reason, and it has meaning. So those are all good things. So I don't know about you, but I feel like since I didn't grow up with a church calendar, I didn't do Lent, I didn't do Advent, now when I go back and I think, well, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Um, it's more meaningful. I don't have um, you know bad things associated with it. It can be purified at the same time um, and really just go for what, you know, what it's been there for. Because it clearly has been down through the ages a great celebration. So, so that's our that's that's the history. Hopefully, it's given you a, a little bit of a feeling that it's probably okay to celebrate. You know, we're not going down a path that, you know, we're not following some heretic from the 1200s who decided to set this up, and you know, then it became institutionalized and it became bad or something. Now, this is something that's been in the church. It's been good, and it's got a lot of positives. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's negatives. I saw a Smurf advent calendar um, <laughs> on the Internet. And so, you know, I was about to I almost put on one of my lists that it, it was hard to, you know, mess with advent and commercialize it. And I actually I had that as a bullet point, And then I saw the Smurf um, calendar and I realized that anything can be mucked with. So I took that out. But I think it is a little harder. I think it is a little harder. Um, so here's here's my ten reasons to celebrate Advent, and I, I think if you can find three, then you got to follow me. You're right. Um, first of all, I think it's a season that really unifies Christians. Um, you know, what, after all, what are we celebrating? We're, cele- we're we're looking forward to his second coming, and we're celebrating his first coming. Um, there's not a lot of you know, if we don't get too caught up in the second coming, you know, intricacies, these are things we all embrace and we all have the, you know, we all hope for. I think from that standpoint, it's a great, uh, it's a great time. It's a season of anticipation and anticipation increases the intensity and value of any event. I don't know about you. I, um, to me, if, I, if I'm doing a lot of anything in anticipation of some event, that event then become, even that, that time anticipating is great. Uh, my best example is vacations. I love to plan vacations because sometimes the va- planning of the vacation is just as exciting as executing it. Sometimes you don't even get to go on the vacation, but you still had a good time doing all the planning and you learned about all this other stuff. Plus, when you're planning a vacation, say you're trying to choose between three places. Well, you learn about three places and three different sets. Of, and you go to one, yeah, but, you know, you really... Almost experienced three. I mean, so I don't think we can I don't think we can uh, undersell anticipation enough. When we look forward to Christmas, I just love it. This morning, you know, we've got start singing the Christmas songs. You know, it's like I think people have uh, you know, there's a couple different reactions to singing Christmas songs on the 28th of November. You know, one of them is, oh my word. You know, it's not even, you know, it's four weeks and we're already, we've already sung, you know, one third of the total Christmas carols I know. <laughs> it was way too early, you know. I, I'm having just the opposite reaction here this morning. I'm thinking, yes, 
You know, it's the beginning of Christmas. You know, this is this is this is how we started out. We jump in with both feet and we anticipate. So anyway, that's my that's my take. Anticipation. What's there's a song, there's an ad all of a sudden it's coming to mind. Anticipation. Yeah, what's that for? Anyway, anyway, it's probably not a good thing. It probably shouldn't pop to, pop to mind. I don't know. Is it like Tasty Freeze? I don't know what it is. What is it? Ketchup. Ketchup commercial. Yeah, you're waiting for the ketchup to come out of the bottle. Oh, uh, well. Okay, that wasn't a good... Go, go back to the vacations. That's a better example. I know. They both start, start with a K. Um, I, I think another thing about about Advent is it really highlights thankfulness. You know, we've talked to guys talked a couple times in the last few months about thankfulness as a um, as a means of worship that God wants. And so when we're in a when we set aside, you know, our 28 days where one of the things that we're going to be is thankful for um, the incarnation, thankful for um, the plan of redemption, um, thankful for the hope that's embedded in those. Hey, that's a great reason. Um, my number seven one is that it's characterized by joy. You know, it's a joyful response to Christ's birth. These are all inter- interrelated. You know, you could pick half of one and put it with half of another one. Um, I, and I think number six here, the elements of Advent have potential to redeem the season from the busyness we all dislike. Um, this probably isn't God's number one reason, but I, you know this is one that when I read it, when I see it, I think, yeah, you know, I would have put this as the number one one, but it's not a very spiritual reason for doing it. But um, to me, if I can do something like this that you know draw that brings God and His redemptive plan closer to the center of a season, and in doing so. You know, some of the busyness and concern that I really shouldn't be all that worried about moves to the exterior. That's a great thing. Um, it's an advent that highlights the hope God has given us. It, it highlights his redemptive plan. It highlights the fact that there are events in history that are part of that overall redemptive plan. Um, let's see. I think it's a season where we draw particularly close to God. I think the themes of Advent, the event of Christ's birth and the event of his future coming are ones where, you know, meditating on those things can't help but bring us closer to God. And God's put them there for us to meditate on. And the incarnation, it's a, you know, it's such a mystery. You know, thinking about that um, and meditating on that is just great. Um, I think it's a a great thing to do during this period of time is to study the Old Testament um, scriptures for the hope of the fulfillment of the covenant, because that's really what we're looking at in both themes of Advent. So that's another reason. And then the last two, meditating on the mystery and significance of the incarnation. And once again, doing that multiple times prior to Christmas. I mean, we actually, I mean, let's face it, if Christmas is the only time we celebrate the incarnation. What do we really do? We really want to all open our presents. Somebody decides they're going to lay their, put their foot down and, and they open the Bible and they read the story, you know, and then everybody runs and grabs and opens the presents. I mean, it's, you know, as a kid, I can remember, you know, resenting even that those five minutes. So 
in some ways it's better to just, you know, let, let's do it all the way through the season. And then, you know, maybe those five minutes won't be so resentful. Plus, you've set yourself up for it. Um, and then finally, I think the number one reason is that Advent marks historic events that are part of God's redemptive plan. And celebrating those is in the same line as when God commands the people of Israel to celebrate other times where he has um, intervened in history and where they see his redemptive powers, his saving power in history. Like Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, where they live in tents and, and the Feast of Purim. This is some examples. And also, let's look at, you know, the first two of those are seven-day, you know, um, seven-day festivals. You know, these are not one day have a meal, you know, and run out. There's some time. I think Feast of Purim is only two days, but the other two are seven. So, anyway, we could do with some lengthy, some lengthy stuff. All right. So now into the more controversial. Three ways to celebrate. So... You could do, uh, you know, look, we, we've, we've established the themes. You can do anything during this period of time that, um, draw, the, that draw you into those themes or that emphasize those themes, you know, and that's going to count. So here's some suggestions, and maybe they'll trigger some ideas for you. First of all, we, we are in a culture where Christmas is big. And, I, and then, let me give you my caveat here. I'm not going to do the anti-Christmas deal here, all right? I was not saying I grew up in an anti-Christmas I had some anti-Christmas uh, grandparents. So, like, every time we went by and saw Santa Claus, I got the story about the evils of Santa Claus. And I never quite got it as a kid. I mean, can you imagine, you know, you're, you're eight, and you're hearing the evils of Santa Claus, and you're not getting it. So, you, I mean, what can you do? You just sit there and go, hmm, yeah, Grandma. And, um, okay. So... You know, and I, I, I apologize for people who are of the ilk that, you know, they don't like Santa Claus. I'm sorry. Um, what I'm trying to do here is take a um, there's a season that's out there. I think we, we participate in it as part of our culture. And then, you know, we we take at that same period of time the things that are great about Advent and we make sure we're experiencing those. I think Christmas only becomes bad if it forces us out of Advent. That's my take. You can uh, do where you want. So there's a lot of Christmas stuff going on. So I think we take particular Christmas themes and we make them trigger Advent themes for us. Because that's what it, if we start doing that, then we'll start experiencing Advent all the time because there's lots of Christmas themes out there. Uh, and then we got to celebrate this Advent thing daily. You know, we can't do like I've been doing, you know, my whole life of whenever Advent comes up and it's the Sunday only routine. And then the third thing is we... Throw in Advent themes in conversation, in decorations, you know, whatever you can. Um, I just think that that is part of celebrating. And actually, I think it becomes more natural. You know, anything that's anything that you're thinking about, anything that's important to you comes out in conversation anyway. So it's not like you have to rehearse little statements. So let's take a look at some personal Advent triggers. So first of all, only X shopping days left till Christmas. Okay. So every time you hear that, and you're going to hear that a lot, right? Because that's we're on this countdown now. Because part of our busyness is to get all of our shopping done. So your response could be, wow, there are only X days left to Advent. And then thank you, God, for sending Jesus or some other short prayer. Just set yourself up. Make your, Just tell yourself, I'm going to do this. And I think, you know, 
I guarantee you, you'll hear the triggers. It's just whether or not you want to use it. Um, how about when you see a Santa Claus image? Okay. Now I am going to do my little Santa Claus thing here, but it's not, you know, the one that was passed down to me. Um, St. Nicholas, you know, the image upon whom, to a great extent, Santa Claus is based, is a tremendous story. It's, it's just unbelievable. So here we've got a guy. He's a bishop. So when you go back and say, I should have put up some pictures of him. Um, these aren't photographs, obviously. They're more along the line of icons. But nonetheless, so he's Bishop of Myrna, which is there in what's now Turkey. And he's a bishop in uh, like early 300s to late 300s, somewhere in, somewhere in that time frame. So he actually suffered persecution under Diocletian. He was jailed. He inherited a bunch of money. He gave it all to the poor. Um, as a bishop, many people think he actually attended the Council of Nicaea, which I'm sure, you know, brings to all of you, you know, you know, pops to mind. What did they decide at the Council of Nicaea? They decided the nature of Christ in his relationship to God. What about, you know, what? All this, that ties into the incarnation. It was all about what was Christ as the incarnate one. Um, so there's a lot of great things about um, St. Nicholas. So go look it up on the Internet. Eh, I hate to recommend that. Now, if you want it, there's a great play, there's a great article uh, at ctlibrary.com. Go there, search for uh, St. Nicholas and pull, a, pull that one up. That gives you a good story. Um, there's a lot of legend. But nonetheless, it's all very positive. It's all very Christian, um, with the exception of when he was allegedly punched um, Arius in the face. In the, uh, but anyway, that's probably just legend. But I just think, you know, this guy is a great example of a Christian, and we don't know about it. We see Santa Claus. We know that he is derived from images, you know, for the most part, drawn for Coca-Cola ads in the early 1900s. So, you know, hey, let's just, you know, work our way back to uh, to St. Nicholas in the fourth century. Fantastic, fantastic stories. Um, how about every time you park your, your car to go shopping before you get out, you say a prayer of Thanksgiving and instead of being annoyed, <laughs> instead of being annoyed that you got to go shopping, prepare for that annoyedness. And I don't know. Think of other stuff. There's a lot of things that will work. As personal triggers, because like I say, there's a lot of things that are part of uh, of our Christmas event. Um, so make Advent a daily thing. Hey, there's a great bulletin insert. So grab this thing. And this is a countdown from December 1st through Christmas. And for each day, there's a there's a theme word. There's a scripture, um, a scripture passage, one or two, three verses. And then, you know, there's a sentence, you know, put this on your table somewhere where, you know, pull it out, read it. Uh, you go through all this by going through this. It's a preparation for and a celebration of Advent. This is a great daily thing. Mickey found this one on the Internet. That one, you know, that one's a good one. Um, OK, now we're going to go. We're going to redeem Twitter. We've redeemed the calendar. We're now going to redeem Twitter. Um, how many of you guys do the Twitter thing? Okay, there's a few. All right, not very many. Okay, so myself and these other two people. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, let me do this, though. Um, you don't have to have a Twitter account to do this. 
All right, this works as long as you're willing. Uh, the, the, what's the disclaimer? Uh, all uh, data charges or messaging charges apply or whatever. You, you, if you type in uh, follow Advent AWCC and you send it to 40404, then for the next uh, 28 days you'll get a little Advent message. I promise only one per day. All right? So it'll buzz you. You'll get a, you'll get a text. It comes as a text message. And then, then that's it. So you don't have to get a Twitter account. You just have to send this as a text. And it'll either be a verse or, you know, a, a thought, a quote, something like that. Yeah, I did this once. I, 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 did, no, I don't have time for that one. Um, but I think it's a neat way to, to do this kind of together, to send out something that we're all getting, um, even if there's only three of us. But, uh, <laughs> but like I say, you don't have to have a Twitter account. You just, as long as you've got text messaging and as long as you're willing to uh, cover, you know, 28 messages or 25 in the month of December, um, you're in the clear. So there's a space between follow and Advent? Yeah, there's a space between follow and Advent, and you, it's not um, case-sensitive in terms of the words, but it made more sense if you could see the AWCC, which is Applewood Community Church initials. Anyway, so we'll see how that goes. Um, set aside your five to ten minutes for specific, you know, meditation on Advent themes, um, something about Advent, um, Advent passages of Scripture. Um, and maybe you just set aside your five or ten minutes and, and do this one. And it's just great. But it's going to be every day. You don't come to Sunday. We don't show up here at church on Sunday, you know, and do seven of these. Okay, that's not, that's not how it is. These are daily things. Okay, that's the point. The point is there. And, and for these days, anything else you think of that makes Advent real and makes it um, makes it worshipful because that's the, the goal is to have a worshipful season. Um, decoration, you know, I think we've kind of lost nativity scenes. I don't know. I still put one out in. This is one of my this is another my little pet peeves. I put one in the front yard um, just because I like that idea. But anyway, what about have a nativity scene, a Jesse tree. I'd never heard of these. How many people have heard of a Jesse tree? All right. Some people know them. Um, this is a really neat little, it, it, what it is, is it's a tree and it has, you know, hang different things on it. There's about 30 things you hang on it. And each one represents some element of the promise and the um, realization of God's redemptive plan up through uh, the birth of Christ. And how um, you can find these all over the internet. And you look back in history, this is a real, these are teaching devices, really. And they're all, they're, you find stained glass windows in Europe where you'll have these Jesse trees. And so it's kind of the whole story of the gospel, if you will, because they've got these little, you know, little pictures of events, you know, arranged in some sort of tree like pattern. And then at the top, in general, you come to Christ's birth. And then sometimes there'll be his um, death and resurrection right above those. But they're an interesting um they're an interesting thing. St. Nicholas, go get an icon of St. Nicholas and plaster him up. People go, oh, that's an odd picture of, of Santa Claus. And then you can tell them how great St. Nicholas was. Um, conversation. I think this is just something that if we're celebrating it, it's just natural. Like I said before, if you're celebrating something and, and you're doing it daily, it's just going to come up in conversation because it's what you're doing. Um, 
because thoughts that matter make their way naturally into conversation. So we're almost there. We're almost ready to start um, our service, or not our service, start our sermon. So, so here, here's what, here's where I hope we've landed. That Advent is a season rich in valuable Christian tradition, and has great potential value for us today. And that there's lots of ways we can celebrate it, but the results of whatever ways we choose for celebration should be a more meaningful Christian Christmas, a time during which we draw closer to God, an antidote to to, uh, losing the season to busyness, and an experience of joy and hope based on God's redemptive plan in history. And anything we do to celebrate that has to be good. So, here's the message. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Guy asked me to bring the message. The theme for the first Sunday of Advent is hope and anticipation. It's also the theme in general for the whole season. Christmas is a fulfillment of hope provided by God and presented in the history of the Old Testament, and Advent is a time to meditate on that hope. We're now going to celebrate with a medley of scripture followed by an Advent prayer. So stand with me and let's read the following scripture. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. 
The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. All right. Of expectation, we prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, Messiah, into the bustle of our lives and the hard-to-find moments of solitude. We prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, Messiah, into our homes and situations along with friends and families. We prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, Messiah, into our hearts and those often hidden parts of our lives. We prepare to welcome Christ Jesus, Messiah, for beneath the surface of your story is an inescapable fact. You enter this world as vulnerable as any one of us in order to nail that vulnerability to the cross. Our fears, our insecurities, and our sins, all that can separate us from God, exchanged by your grace for love. We cannot comprehend the reasoning, only marvel that salvation comes to us through a baby born in a stable and reaches out to a world in need. In this season of anticipation, we prepare to welcome Jesus, Messiah. Amen. Hallelujah.